Good afternoon, Richard. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm good. I'm good. What about you? Good. I'm absolutely perfect. You're just back from Vega. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, we're about inherited wealth. Have you, by any chance, spent all the inherited wealth that your future generations could have? I could have. I could have. But uh, no, no, I didn't. It could have been easily done, though. Oh, tell me about it. It's easy to do that, isn't it? But that's what yeah. Vegas is all designed to do. It's designed to separate you from your, your money. Oh, it definitely is. <laughs> in a nutshell, in the most polite way possible, to give you <laughs> that exact experience that you would want. And, oh, I've got great memories. It's like, aye, but you didn't have much cash left. Um, <laughs> and, and your wealth's maybe gone down on, on, on I'll bet it all on black. <laughs> uh, you could see how uh, somebody could easily do that, but... Um... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a place where you could really come out with nothing <laughs> if you're not yeah. careful. But and that's that nicely brings us on to this uh, doing it for the kids, you know. Yeah. And this is what we're going to talk about today on the Wealth Creation Show. So, you know, if you're watching out there, listening into the podcast, um, this is about building a vital legacy for you and your family's future. Now, I'll give you a wee insight into what started me off on this. Uh, this is actually a photograph from, this was actually taken, um, it was the Sunday Times, I think it was, or the Times newspaper actually took this. Now, we're sitting outside 118 Taylor Street, and there was a for sale board there um, at that time, and it was all to do with, um, they had identified uh, myself at that time. Um, this must have been about 20 years ago, at least, um, as investing in property and a property investor and how that manifested itself for the future generations. So this is my young family at that time. There's uh, Ben and there, there's Scott. Um, so Ben's here, um, right here, and there's Scott and there's Tony. There's Elaine and there's myself. I look a bit more healthier. Uh, just as well, I've not got the same. Just as well, I've not got the same shirt on it. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody, somebody would have said you tight wad. <laughs> but I still had no hair at that time as well. Uh, you've got a bit more than you do now. So you know, this is this is one of the reasons we want to talk about. This is why um, I, I think are you seeing more and more people actually getting into. Um, property investment and just investment in general to provide generational wealth. Yeah, you see, I see it quite a lot, and it's people that are that are coming forward and thinking, right, what could I do? I need to set up something for retirement. I am thinking of their kids and what they could leave for their kids, and just thinking of things on the long term. Uh, and that's that's what building a buy to let portfolio is all about. It's about that long term investment. Uh, give yourself a bit of income and to be able to leave something for your kids and your family when you're not here. Absolutely. Oh, Julie, yeah. you've got any questions? Uh, higher, um, if you've got any questions, please feel free to ask them. Um, Afternoon, Julie. Generational wealth and what we're talking about today. Um, now, yeah, generational wealth. So I'll tell you one of the reasons, that was one of the reasons why I got into this. It was also one of the reasons why I looked at property investment as the vehicle to set me free. At the time, for me, Richard, it was all about, I had absolutely no time. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, 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 it wasn't, it was never about the money for me. It was all about the time. And it was the only way I could get back my time would be to actually replace my income to enable to me to be able to, to do that. Uh, and that's how I saw um, this property investment vehicle was an ability to actually, and that's why I jokingly say we're almost like property time lords, if that makes yeah. sense. Because <laughs> we, 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 you know, the income's great, but the income is, only as good as what you would want to use it for and, and for me it was to buy back my time um so that's why more and more professionals approach us 
and actually get us like surgeons and doctors and you know lawyers and uh, and, and and accountants and that. That's why more and more people approach us, Richard, isn't it? To yeah. actually invest in property for them and actually look after it for them because they don't have the time, but they they certainly have the money. Yeah, I mean, you see, you make the joke about the time lord thing, but in essence, it is you've given yourself back time, and time is the most precious thing. Um, and you're, and in, in the long run, it'll allow you to retire maybe early and enjoy life for more. And in the meantime, it allows you to create more income without free, using up your time and your precious time because you've got this machine that, if it's set up correctly, works, and if you've got the right people looking after it, should just obviously function on its own and create an income for you and allow you to have more time and ultimately retire early and have more time then as well. Uh, and to enjoy family and, and, and things that, that you would want to do instead of working yourself uh, to the bone and using all that time. It's, it's, it's quite interesting to say that about you know, setting up correctly because a lot of mm -hmm. people don't realise there is different ways to set up that vehicle. Yeah. I almost see this like, a, I almost like see this like an investment fund Mm -hmm. But it's your own personal investment fund. You know how you have a fund manager, and yeah. you go to a fund manager and you say, "Look, okay, invest my money in the stock market alongside everybody else's money." And the fund manager, the standard life for that, looks after that investment vehicle, and and they produce income and they produce results as a result. Of it. It's no yeah. guaranteed payouts, and it's no guaranteed anything else, or up or down in, in money. It's just that you. It, it depends on what your your attitude to risk is, whether you invest in. Uh, whether you invest in a low low bonds, you know, which is pretty secure, they'll give you an income every single month, but they've got a low return, or you invest in more riskier um, approach as um, the stock market itself. I mean, you know, investment houses risk that on a category of one to seven on a scale of one to seven. They, they actually put that as investing in the UK stock market as category six, which is high risk. Um, category seven is overseas international investments. Yeah. Um, so that's how they perceive uh, even the stock market investment, and we would think that's normal mainstream stuff. Um, but having your own property investments is like your own vehicle. You own it, you control it, you can make more decisions on it and more flexibility about what you own in that in that that wrapper, if that makes sense. And then also, we're effectively the people that manage the... We don't manage the fund, you manage that yourself, but we manage the day-to-day -day operations of that. The functionality of that happens and get a, get a fixed return for it. But we only get paid if you get paid. Yeah. Whereas fund management get paid regardless because they, they get paid on the percentage of the value of the fund. So I kind of think it's a bit unfair that fund management should be paid regardless, even though they're not performing well, whereas we don't get paid at all. We don't get anything. No, I mean, your, your property management side of things, uh, they control, or we, if we are doing it, control the functionality of your, your portfolio. Um, but uh, unless we are doing that correctly and, and set out to do what we're meant to do, we don't, and you don't get paid, then we don't get paid. So it's, it's in yeah. everybody's best interest for that to work correctly. And, and the whole setup thing as well, I mean, whether you set it up in a limited company or, or whatever, I mean, I know we'll talk about that later, but there's a lot of different things that you need to do to make sure it's set up correctly and it functions properly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's 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 talk about this. I mean, brick, bricks and mortar will never really go out of fashion, will it? Uh, no. People always need homes, which makes buying uh, which makes buying a buy to let one of the safest investments. And I will say that safest investments. I've been doing this for thirty years, and I don't know any other investment vehicle that gives you the returns it gives you, but it's actually as safe as houses. If that, if you know, we've all heard that saying. 
yeah. um, savings investment strategy around. It's also a smart way to build a tax-efficient inheritance vehicle, something today's young are becoming more reliant on uh, than previous generations that, are, that with the ever-widening gap between the house prices and incomes. Now, why do I say uh, the younger generations are becoming more and more reliant on it? Well, there's actually the Institute of Fiscal Studies. I don't know if you've got that article as well, Richard. This is yeah, I've got that here. Institute yeah. of Fiscal Studies actually said, did a, 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 an article on inherited wealth on course to be much more important determination of, of lifetime resources for today's young than it was in previous generations. Uh, and, it, and, and it goes on in, in full detail. And we'll, we'll post this later on in here anyway. Um, but it's to give you an... Actually, I'm going to post this right now so everybody gets a chance to see this. Um, just get me... I'll get the link. Yeah, it'll be good for them to see what we're looking at. Copy, and we can paste that in the comments. Um, here we go. So that's in the comments there, and you can read it at your own leisure, but basically it says inherited wealth is on course, and it's more important in the fact that it's a determinant for young people and the, the next generations to come than it was before for previous generations. Um, why do you think this is? Is this because pensions no longer exist and the state's no longer looking after you, and we've all got this perception that you know, um, well, effectively, we've got we've got a broken system that can't actually yeah. look after us anymore. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, I mean, my age and, and and younger as well, when we think ahead, I mean, I think ahead. I think, well, I mean, there's not going to be any state pension by the time we come to retirement. So a lot of people are looking at, well, they need to take action themselves to make sure that they're secured in the future and that it's secure for their families in the future. Um, yeah. Whether that be personal pensions or whether it be building. A portfolio, a buy-to-let portfolio, where they could get that extra income and then have that at the end to leave to their kids to look after mm -hmm. themselves up to that point, and then leave behind um, as inheritance as well. But yeah, state pensions are not, are not going to be here when uh, when I reach that age anyway. It's one of the most most people think they'll actually be wealthy later on. They'll actually expect to inherit that wealth from someone else. Mm -hmm. However, you know what my comment to that is. Who do you want to die to become wealthy? That's effectively that in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah. Nobody wants that to happen. It's inevitable, will happen. But think about that mindset. But you think, okay, I'll get money when they go. And it's like, well, I wouldn't want them to go. I want them to stay there forever. So yeah. this is why it's key here now to actually start early and start actually building some sort of wealth for you. Now, I used to get told this time and time again from... My, um, from people around about me uh, were a lot older than me saying start a pension early, start a pension early, start a pension early. We've been over this before. To be honest, pensions can't come anywhere near the performance we get in buy to let. Nowhere near it. And I often used to challenge Standard Life. I remember in the early days, I used to phone up Standard Life and say, how much am I getting my, my investment um, uh, funds? And they would go, oh, you're getting about a 4.5% return every year. I went, okay, then cash them. They're like, what? I'm like, cash them. And they're like, why? Because I could take your money and I could actually make about 15% on that, at least net. So mm -hmm. why on earth would I invest in you and keep you going for the next X amount of years if I can make triple the amount on return? And it would be a lot more safer than the volatile investments that, you know, our stock market our investment funds that you operate. And you can't guarantee me I'm going to get an income and I'm certainly not in control of that fund. So that's kind of how I saw it. Um, in the early days, and I still see it in my mindset of that today. Um, I had the unwavering belief that 
if I wasn't a millionaire, and I'm not saying that lightly, if I wasn't a millionaire by the time I retired at 65 year old, in other words, I didn't have more than a million in the bank, I deserved everything I could get. If I got, if, if, if I wasn't, I deserved poverty if that's the case. So I never had any reliance on a state pension. I never had any reliance on anything else. I never put any money aside in the state pension. I only do that now because the tax advantage is doing it. Um, and yeah. I need enough state pension of age. So you can get a huge uplift in the tax rebate you get towards it. Plus the fact that um, you get a wee bit of growth, but you'll get it out earlier. I could draw it now. So I'm getting, if I put money in now, I get a 20% uplift at least. And then I'm yeah. a higher rate payer. I get the I get the I get the the tax back on the higher rate because I'm with the amount I put in. So it's a huge benefit to actually in your later life to actually put a lot of money into your pensions because you get that rebate and then you can draw it down, you know, later on. And actually, you can release twenty five percent of it um, immediately and actually have that tax free in your hand. Um, it doesn't perform as well, but nearer the end, if you do it, it makes a lot of money because of the because of the tax advantage for you know the higher rate payer on the. And the, the additional amount that the government puts on, um, so that's that's why I've got a pension now for that very reason. Um, but outside of that, you know, I kind of looked at that should I deserve everything I get because I know the I know the formula, I know how to do this, I know how to make far more. So why would I not be able to do that? And that's where I, that's where I came up with profit investment. This is actually quite an interesting chart there. Now whether we can actually decipher what's going on here. Um, this is actually this um, um, spread of wealth. Um, distribution of expected inheritance received by decade of birth as a percentage of mean lifetime earnings within the birth cohort, which ultimately means that more and more people here are relying on generational wealth to get them by. Yeah. So 1960s, you can see that it's quite low, the percentage of inheritance. And then in 1970s, it got higher. And then in the 1980s, it got higher as well. And I, and I think it's going to get a lot higher to come. Um, as we go, because more and more people will actually depend on that. So you can read that at your own leisure in that article, because um, it is actually quite a good one for the yeah. studies. Um, but back to this, I mean, more and more people are, are, are vitally the safest investments, safest houses. Property has stood the test of time as a solid way to create wealth with an asset that's forever in demand. Now, why is it forever in demand? Well, because we're not building enough houses and we've still got to provide houses for the people that we've not built enough for in the in, in previous generations. Uh, housing stock, social housing stock since the 1980s, since the sell-off with the Conservative Party, has actually declined by 69%, the actual total social housing stock. And so that's another demographic which actually means that more and more reliance has been put, um, put on the private rental sector to actually provide that function. Now, before you castigate us, we are big fans here of social housing oh, yeah. building. It is the most important thing. If the government wants to solve any issue with rented accommodation or private rent, build more houses for social rent at affordable rent levels. I'm a great advocate of it. At that point, when I'm no longer needed, I will exit the market, bye-bye, and take my money elsewhere and do something else. But for now... I can provide a really good return on investment, plus provide a really good um, house for my for the people that are, you know my, the tenants. I didn't like to call them tenants because I didn't like it making it look like that. I, you know, David, John, <laughs> Mark, or whatever. I prefer to know them by their name um, because it's a personal thing for me um, to do that. Um, but but not every landlord's like that. Some landlords are actually quite draconian and quite clinical about the whole process. So it's always stood the test of time. In the last twenty years, property prices have gone up. 170% in the UK, the average property price. 
and inflation's gone up 70%. So it's outperformed net 100% increase in property prices in the last 20 years, over and above inflation. Yeah. What does that say? And and you know what as well it's done? It actually pays you to wait while the value goes up. That's really taking into account natural rent. It comes in, the investment. So that keeps you going day to day. So the rent actually provides a, a monthly income for people that want to do that if they get it right. And then the increasing increase wealth over the time, yeah. capital gains. Um, yeah. There will be capital gains. If anybody says, and don't be delusional out here, whatever anybody tells you, you always forecast on property prices doubling in value in the next 15 to 20, 20 years. Yeah. Not 10 years, not seven years, but 15 to 20 years. That's why you should be forecasting and your expectations. If it comes early, your quid's in, happy days, but do not fall into this trap that you should be doing something on the expectation that property prices will double in the next 10 years. And they're unlikely to do that right now because of the way the situation is in the economy. But we're coming full circle, aren't we? <clears throat> we're coming back to where we were in 2007 and actually increasing. And I think since 2007, by the time we get to 2027, you'll probably find that property prices have gone up another 100% since 2007. And that was when the car crashed. So again, as I say, 15 to 20 years. So it's always yeah. to the time. It's oh, another thing. It kind of disappear overnight. It's not like crypto where it drops down in value into rock bottom overnight. It actually still keeps going, and it pays you to wait while it goes up in value over the long, medium to long term. Um, so that's another thing. And and, and anybody that's out there, you know, you know, it's all the people in crypto's gone quiet. <laughs> yeah. Lately, you don't hear anybody at all about crypto. Banging that drum. Knew it was going to crypto. I was watching Bill Gates the other day, and Bill Gates says he actually likes investing in things that are it produce something, it provides something. He does not like. He does not invest in crypto at all because he doesn't see that as anything other than your your whole mindset in crypto is based on the principle that you look at someone else thinking that the value of what you've got will be worth more to them than what you've got yourself. And that's just that's pure speculation, isn't it? Yeah. So nobody, so, nobody can. Uh, sorry, Richard, go on. No, I was just going to say. So obviously, capital appreciation and things, obviously, in the long term. But I mean, looking at things that obviously wealth creation doesn't happen. Um, uh, wealth, the true wealth creation happens over a longer period. Yeah. Um, so obviously, it's naturally motivating when people plan to include some things uh, like earlier rewards and things as well so so what earlier, what earlier rewards would they be i mean as the equity grows in your buy to let you can i mean you can use it to realize some of your life goals long long life goals before retirement yeah i mean things, things leading up to retirement i mean there is things that obviously you're going to feel the benefit of during the process of having your buy to let yeah. um and that, that could allow you obviously with that additional income to maybe extend and improve where you live just now your current home uh, home, uh, um, it gives you a better spending power, increase your spending power, and um, and help you maybe work towards your dream home, possibly if you're not already in it. Done that. Um, and you could also buy a second home overseas, maybe, um, where you weren't able to maybe get a mortgage for before. Done um, that. It's just waiting when you say done that. <laughs> so that, that exactly, this is the thing. Obviously, if you do this over the long term, this will allow you to obviously do these things as you go, and then plus have. Um, be secure at the end for retirement as well. Yeah. Um, one that one that's uh, down is obviously pay for your child's fairy tale wedding. 
Yeah, I didn't really, really agree with that. I'm not sure we get to that point. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I mean, I see people spending oh, tens of thousands on weddings, and I think, yeah. God, it's crazy. It's a so I'll tell you what I did. I actually paid for the majority of the deposit on my 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 daughter's house. Yeah. So Which I, I think it's a better use of money. Contribution towards my her house, and that contribution probably would have been on somebody's fairy tale wedding. And yeah. to be honest, I would rather invest it in their future rather than actually give them that instant memory. You could you, you could conjure that memory in your mind as far as you're concerned, and just pretend you actually had that fairy tale wedding, and actually just run down with you know a couple of suits on and. Take pictures of yourself and just look at it for the rest of your life and think. And you've saved yourself. You've saved yourself almost twenty to thirty thousand pound. Right? Yeah, I mean, you can actually invest in, in in your next home. I mean, spend twenty thirty grand on a wedding. I think's excessive. And people want to do that, and they've got the money to do that. Fine. Yeah. Um, I think it could be invested in, in a lot better. Like, like what you about say. paying for lifetime trips in far fun places? I think if you've got the income and that's what you want to do and go and see parts of the world and everything, then do that. Okay. Um, this is the and I'm and I'm about to do that. This is the only time I'm actually going to Jamaica for the very first time. <laughs> and then it's the only time I've actually said, I tell you what, for once in our lifetime, I probably think I deserve it. Yeah. Um, or I've earned it, not deserve it, because there's an entitlement culture here. I probably think I've earned it. I'm going to actually fly first class. And they said, well, first class is actually business class. You know, where yeah. you have your own pods and everything like yeah. that. Because it's a huge distance. And I thought, I'm going to experience this for the first time. And I'm going to see what it's like. So I'm actually going to I'm actually going to do that for the very first time. Now, most people know that I'm put a tight wad. Uh, I would rather actually spend it on buying another house. But I kind of think I'm at that age now where I've really got to experience something or it's it's all been for nothing. Yeah. No, and that, and I, I agree with that, and I think that's that's fine. Um, and after just doing a long haul, business class will be <laughs> worth it. <laughs> yeah, it probably will. Uh, I mean, the idea of sacrificing everything today for a better tomorrow is thrown around quite a lot. I mean, the delayed gratification, isn't it? But yeah. but it isn't universally appealing. Fortunately, it's it's perfectly possible to strike a balance of medium term rewards and future financial freedom. Uh, and I did that over a period of time. So I've done it already. So I can teach other people how to do that. And that's why we have our private Zoom sessions every Thursday. Um, yep. So at the end of this month, actually, and Thursday well, coming this up. Thursday. This yeah, Thursday. this Thursday coming up. So this Thursday coming up, we'll be having a private Zoom session. So there's a link in here to Richard's email. You can email him if you want to take part in that private Zoom session. You could be a novice to this. You could be completely just starting for the first time. Uh, you could be a seasoned veteran in this. Um, and you could be able to come along as well. There is no, there's no barrier here for people that want to take part in this private Zoom session. But it's actually just to, and if you want more information and you just want to listen in, then by all means, just listen in. You don't need to contribute. You don't. You'll not be put in the spot or anything like that. No one's here to judge you. No one's here to do anything else. So there is a private. There's an option, and that could go on every single month. You can come along to the private Zoom session. There is no upsell, by the way. I'm not selling you a course. We're not selling you anything. We're just telling you how to generate wealth in the best way possible for yourself to achieve what you want out of life and what your goals are as well. And that's it. So, so I, I mean, you know, that's that's what that is all about in rewards and financial freedom. So you can also, I mean, a classic example is you can give it to your children for lifetime start. I mean, the average age of first-time buyer has risen, um, and we'd I'd mentioned it, uh, by six years since 2007. It now stands at 34 year old for a first-time mm -hmm. buyer. And at the same time, Rightmove also reports that a solo first-time buyer typically needs 
Drum roll. Brrr, I, I know, I thought this was great. £74,402 to buy a home. Now, around here, that's never the case because no, our, really our valuations, our average house price is around about 180 grand mark. But in the UK, it's 354000 or 355 grand. So I've no doubt that's why it's 74000 for a first-time buyer. Mm-hmm. And that's when I went on to about the fact that I only ever did this. I never did this for myself. I always did this for to give me the choices and give the options I wanted to do. And the one was to help Tony buy her first house. Yeah. Um, because she never would have got it. She would never... The mortgage company couldn't give her enough to actually get the mortgage because she wasn't in there enough. And I think most time first-time buyers are having to wait because at 34, you're probably earning a lot more than you would at 24. Yeah, I mean, and when you say about it, obviously average in five, around about uh, 180, so you're 180, 200,000, say. Um, so there's 20 grand at least, and it's like, where are people getting this from? Unless yeah. they're inheriting it or they're getting it for their parents. Bank of mum and dad, as I said before, it's becoming yeah. more and more important, just as I, just as I said there and that, and yeah. where it's uh, the 90s and the, uh, the 2000s in that generation, more and more people will be providing for their children. I see a lot now when people are actually downsizing and releasing equity in order to provide for their, their uh, generations to come. I, I think it's actually a fantastic idea. I do think that we should take control of our futures and actually provide for our children for later on and teach our children to provide for their children so they they no longer become dependent on the state and they no longer depend, depend on other people to provide them with their future. They're in control of their own circumstances. So I'm a big, big advocate of that. Yeah, I mean, you see, obviously, the, the bank of mum and dad and higher education costs and escalating rents and soaring house prices have made it harder and harder for people to get on the property ladder. Yeah. And parents want to do what they can yeah. uh, and invest in and buy to let um, can help ease your children's path uh, into, obviously, as they take their steps into the world. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of different things that, obviously, you see the, the, the parents have to do for their kids, I mean, providing a place to live when they're studying and things. We see that quite a lot of rent. Um, I do quite a lot of rentals for people who are studying in St Andrews and things, and it's it's the mum and dads that are paying the rent. Um, people are drawn down uh, equity for deposits to help them buy their first-time uh, property, their first-time buyers, um, and getting them ready-made. Giving them the ready-made business to take yeah. over if, the, if they share your love for property. Um, now, yeah. I'll be honest, None of my kids want anything to do with property. I, I think it's just that they're at a stage where they don't want to be like so clinical like I am and obsessed with it. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's what it is. I think later on they'll probably take to it, but that's why I devised the system so you guys are looking after the whole thing and it's no longer dependent on them at all to get involved. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer really getting involved either. And and this vehicle still provides me with an income regardless of come hell or high water. It's no longer dependent on my ability to perform. Um, and that's what a lot of people don't realise. They think they're going to be financially free. I'm going to be financially free. Woohoo! And it's like, so what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, I've got to go and fix a leaky tap. It's like, okay, <laughs> that's not financially free. No. Because you've got another job. Um, I'm going to manage the properties myself. Uh, you've got another job. So you've traded the existing job for a new job. <clears throat> I never wanted to do that. I wanted to be able to get out of this. I wanted to be able to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it and have the choices to do that. I mean, recently, Download Festival, they're no bother. Yeah. Week back at work, away to Spain the next week. Um, and that was entirely possible, and everything ran seamlessly without any input at all, and I don't get it. All I do is basically tick off the boxes, 
when the remits come in about the rents. And that's it. That's the only thing I keep tracking now, what comes in and when. Yeah, I think and and you see, obviously, I mean, you, you point out there about people trading in one job for the other and being so involved. And I mean, at the start of your journey, Jim, when you'd done your uh, portfolio and was building it, you were very hands on. But obviously, once that got off the ground and things and, and, and you got obviously property management set up and involved and things, then that's and, and through the years. And now you've got to the point where you can just go go away for a, for a week or so and, and not have to worry about the all the the yeah, the ins yeah. and outs of how the your portfolio is running because it's it's been run for you um, so I you've got that I, time you, you've gave yourself time i think i chose in the beginning to believe that i could do it myself to save myself money but when i, I worked it out that, when i worked it out though richard i actually realized that i was actually losing money and this goes back to opportunity cost and the yeah. fact that i could have been doing something more productive elsewhere which could have earned me a hell of a lot more money than actually the money I was trying to save by managing the property myself. And also the inconvenience of outside hours, because you have yeah. to deal with tenants and outside hours. I mean, I've, I've been with a tenant's house on Christmas Day because I bus radio on Christmas morning. And when they all sat around me and said, so how's your day so far? And I went, <laughs> well, what do you think? <laughs> but then that's a, that's a good example of how you... Uh, and and our way of creation shows and 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 our rooms and things. How you're passing on the knowledge of this is what not to do because I've I've learned from experience. Um, oh, I've learned a few not, things. Yeah. The same thing over and over again. Oh, I could I could still manage it. I could still manage it. Not realizing that actually you need to put a sustainable system in place in order to make sure that you are no longer it's no longer dependent on your ability to perform. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the only obligation you could leave because all you're doing if, if you go eventually and, and you know pop your clogs. All you're doing is you're leaving another job for your children. Mm -hmm. uh, look at the look at the recent ones we have in leaving, and I'm not going to name names, but a very you know a very well known uh, retailer actually you know he popped off the planet. That's him gone now, but he left all that to his children, all his portfolio, and they're like, oh, I didn't want this. It's too much hassle. Yeah. Um, and and they, they don't realise um, the uh, and they've not. I don't think they've been educated to the fact that it's the best thing since sliced bread, and they should have actually made sure they kept it because it could provide themselves with absolutely excellent income. But because it was more or less a job to them, they thought I didn't want a job, so I'll just chop down the tree that bears the fruit, and uh, and that's the end of it. But what they don't realise is they could have had that generating wealth every single time. And then they could have passed it on to their children to generate wealth. And then their children could have passed on to their children, their grandchildren, and then their great-grandchildren, their great-great-grandchildren. And the, the legacy and the generational wealth they would have left would be phenomenal. Uh, another one we talked about, about what you can help, is educating them in their financial management and the wealth creation. This is what we do all the time. So yeah. if you're out there, these shows are timeless. What we're talking about now, you could talk about this in 20 years' time, relevant. and it's exactly the same thing. It's exactly relevant. It's not relevant to this point in time. It's the same principles every single time. Teaching them independence and responsibility earlier on, that's another great thing that this does. And so, while you never know what your path of your children will choose after they finish school, your vital business can always help them make a positive contribution to the beginning of their journey. They don't need to be involved in it. And that's why when you do it right, it passes on to them. They no longer have a second job, but it has income to provide for them. I've always said to the kids, look, guys, 
do what you want. Scott's involved with Cruzo just now, helping them run that. He's also involved in sound and lighting in the theatre, and because that's his qualification. Ben's yeah. in IT. He's working. Ben's working in a factory now and having a great time. But he's actually trained in IT, um, and yeah. but he's actually having a fabulous time. And Tony um, is a trained qualified part qualified accountant, and she's actually a postie. But yeah. my point is, well. They have all the choices to do all that because they want to do that. They never need to worry about money ever again because that's always coming in because of the vehicle of built. And their children probably never really need to worry about money ever again for that reason. And that's why I built it like that uh, for that purpose. So I've got no plans about, you know, it's no for me. I don't want a Ferrari. I kind of think if I go and buy a Ferrari, then my children and the children are no longer, are no here yet and the future generations are all going to suffer because that was, for me, personally, it's nothing to do with anybody else and I don't see this on anybody else. I just think it's my own selfishness that I went and bought that and spent that money on something that could have helped everybody else in the, in the generations to come. Um, yeah. Especially now knowing that buying that would cost me around 700000 over 10 years and $2 million over 20 years. That's a huge hit just to make that decision <laughs> and the opportunity cost. But that's another show, yeah. by the way. Yeah, and it's so, like the show we've done in the, the Lamborghini. It just it demonstrates. Yeah. yeah. It's all about creating lifetime assets and passive income. Whether you choose yeah. to grow a letting portfolio or stick to one buy-to-let, uh, being a landlord can be hassle-free and rewarding experience. Now, when we talk about buy-to-let, Richard, we don't really... We could we could talk about anything from 1 to 30 to 40 to 20 to 5. It doesn't yeah. even matter, does it? No. No, I mean... Um, no, it doesn't really matter whether you've got one or two or obviously up to about 30 or 40, like you say. Um, the the natural upward trajectory of house prices and rents protect the value and improves the yield of your investment year after year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't really matter if you've got one or two properties or more. Um, and as the equity grows in your buy-to-lets, you can use the use it to acquire more properties uh, and or improve uh, and up the value of your existing portfolio without dipping into savings and things as well. See the helps um, I get on TikTok now for talking yeah. about maximising rent and stuff like that. Folk going, yeah. you're a parasite, you're this and you're that and everything it's like that. Hold it. Just backtrack on that. You'd never listen to what I said on there because it said, you know, your obligation is to maximise the rents as much as possible. And if you need to charge another £5 a month to the tenant in order to have £60, if you've got 10 properties, it's £600 over the year. Yeah. And then... If a boiler breaks, you've got the money to actually buy the new boiler. Now, you're going to buy it for 600 but you know what I mean, the principle is. Mm -hmm. That's why I'd said about maximising the rents, so you can reinvest for the tenant and for their welfare, because if they've not got enough, then they're not getting it, and they're living in a potentially hazardous property. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even just those small increases in rent allows you to upgrade your property, make sure it's a better environment for tenants to live in, it increases the value of the property and, and benefits you. You get that wee bit extra to reinvest. Um, so and it's, it's a win-win all round for the tenants and, and the landlord. Yeah. Um, so and we're not necessarily talking about maximising the rents to make enough money to put in your pocket. It's more or less to provide for the for the houses um, and, and your stock improvements. And possibly, as the equity grows in your buy-to-lets as well, you can use it to acquire more properties uh, or improve the value of your existing portfolio without dipping into your savings. Yeah. Um, Paul Champelina, um put a comment on this morning, now that's landlord action, and also he does, uh, you know, we know Paul very well, I know Paul 
personally. And um, he does the landlords, you know, landlords and tenants from hell and all the rest of it on yeah. Channel 4. And that repeats all the time. But Paul actually put a comment on this morning saying the government in England are, are, are got something in their paper saying that accidental landlords tend to be better for tenants than actual actual letting agents. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. Um, but my question for that is then, look at this further. Is it possible that accidental landlords are maybe actually losing money out their savings because they don't know what to do and when to do it and how to do it because mm-hmm. they don't have the knowledge or the skill of how to do it? And also, it doesn't provide for security of a tenure over a professional landlord or a letting agent because the accidental landlord at some point in time will want to sell. Yeah. Yeah, more than likely they will if you're an accidental landlord. And I mean, that's that's a strange one that he comments that. So does he mean, uh, or is he coming for the point of view that accidental landlords maybe have more compassion towards tenants and and we no, are more, more, more clinical about it? I don't know. Is the is the government? Is the government has to put it in their white paper as a justification for saying that you know um, for whatever it is they're trying to push through? Uh, not the government in Scotland, the government in England. Um, yeah. All the things that they're trying to do in England right now are things that have already been done in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and personally, I welcome all the legislation that's coming in. Uh, I don't have any problem with that at all because I think it's good for the private renting sector to professionalise the sector even more. And it's also good for getting rid of all the landlords that possibly wouldn't be following that legislation, which is a very few, remember, it's very few, but it will get rid of these people and they'll sell up and move on because they don't want to deal with that. It'll also get rid of the people that are flying by the seat in their pants, um, and they're actually, you know, their mortgage is almost the same price as their rent. Uh, so when it, when it comes to repairs, they've not got any money at all to do anything. Therefore, the tenant suffers all the time. So that's why, that's why I think that's why I think that's, that is, it, it's actually quite good to have that in. I mean, being yeah. a landlord can give you actually completely passive income when you're when you're managing agent looks after the tenants and maintenance repairs and legal compliance on your behalf. Exactly what happened here, Richard. So you can also use your letting incomes to diversify. So when yep. you get an income, you could put it in ISAs, you could put it in pensions. That's what we do, uh, and it's for dipping in your toe into more adventurous territory. Like, um, well, you know, if you want, you could do art, you could do shares. You could even do crypto. <laughs> I've got to recommend crypto. <laughs> yeah, but it gives you that option. It gives you that option, though. So. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll be honest. If you if you if you're going to go to a casino and gamble, I'm not really sure which one's better. Which one option you would take, a casino or would you actually do crypto? And I kind of think if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to because when you go to a casino, the first thing you should do is be prepared to lose that money. Yeah. Um. So I kind of think if you if you if you do crypto, you've got to be prepared to lose that money. Look at yeah, the, look at, the look at the fighter that lost forty million. That's crazy. Recently, because he put everything he got on his on his uh, prize money into mm-hmm. into crypto, and it dropped like a stone, and he's lost millions upon millions. And I'm like, did you not see this? You know, it was a total gamble. Um, so I think I think that's one of the things that everybody has to be aware of. Um, what, what, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think, I mean, like you say, like the, the, the casino thing, I mean, if you go into a casino and, and you should be prepared to lose, I think you should, like, it's like, you know, if you go into something like that, set a budget and, and have fun and be prepared to lose that, don't gamble. Uh, and I think if, um, like you say, obviously, letting's income could be obviously put in the ISAs or whatever, and it allows you, it gives you that option to be able to maybe invest that into shares and things, crypto if you want to, um, yeah. be very careful about how you 
further future invest or further invest out with with that money um, and yeah. the best thing probably would be to do is to reinvest in the property and keep building but the key is, the key is, most people will do it for a silver lining for retirement. Yeah. I mean, financial freedom more than anything else provides a choice, but but most incomes aren't enough to retire in comfort. Uh, but even a small portfolio of just one or two properties, buying to let can give you, um, you know, a, you know, a kind of retire, a kind of enjoyable retirement beyond the state yeah. or personal pension. Yeah, and it's like we spoke about, like obviously whether it's one or two properties or whether you've got 30 properties, um, th that could provide you with, like you say, um, an enjoyable retirement beyond what the state pension would provide you. Um, yeah. And it also provides you with decades of pure income, uh, obviously after your mortgages and things are repaid, yeah. um, and equity on your portfolio to release for a lifestyle and luxury purchases if you want to do that. Um, yeah. Don't be running away and buying Ferraris, but it does give you that option to have money there to obviously enjoy maybe the fight some finer things in life and give you back a uh, time uh, to enjoy that and and the money to do it with as well um, here's, quite an interesting, here's quite an interesting one i heard the other day i was talking to someone who'd actually been um been made bankrupt before mm -hmm. and they had and they had these properties they had invested in when they were made bankrupt yeah but because there was no money in these properties because the equity had dropped in the credit crunch they actually left them with the ownership of the properties. They didn't actually take them off them because right, okay. there was nothing in them. I, I exactly. Because the, the liquidator looked, looked at them and says, well, the property is worth 80 grand. You drew 100 grand on it. So there's no point in us liquidating it because we're not going to get any money out. it. So they left them with her and now they've recovered. She's got them and she's out of her bankruptcy. And I'm like, what happened to I'm like, and that she says, no, no, that's that's what actually happens. So it's like, does that then tell me that you should mortgage yourself up to the hill? I'm just going to say, mortgage up to the hills, and then they, they won't take them off you. And then once you're out your bankruptcy, you've got an income coming in once you're out your bankruptcy in about a year. That's, that's mental. Eh? That um, I, I'm still processing that because I kind of believe that actually happened, but that's quite normal circumstances to happen when that when bankruptcy happens. If you've got certain properties, they'll not take them off you if, you're, if they're not worth any, because um, there's nothing to get anyway. Um, so they don't take everything. That's weird. Um, yeah. So it would a, a cushion for unexpected expenses. Here's a yep. class of what I used it recently. See, when we came into lockdown, mm -hmm. and my knee had to get operated on. This is exactly what I did this for in the first place. So I would have money aside to do and repair my knee because it was essential and there was no way to do it. And, and I would be complete in agony for a long time. See, my teeth as well, I actually had a, one which was actually quite bad for a long, long time. And I actually went and got it all sorted privately. Um, so for me, it's the financial cushion for the unexpected events. I always thought about that. I always thought if one of my family members, anything happens to them and they don't have the income to do that, or one of my siblings or anything like that, I would always be there to be able to provide the income to do that. And that's yeah. what I dreamed about in the beginning. It was never about me. It was about what I could do for other people and what, what I could do for them. And that's what pulled me on all the time. Hence the reason why I never had in my mind about, you know, the fast cars and the big yeah. castle. You know, I did have a castle in my mind at one point in time. Um, but but that's long gone. That's out of my system now. Um, but that's a good thing because you, you've created this thing, Jim, and, and, and generated this wealth. And that's allowed you to, I mean, as good as the NHS health services, that you're, you're able to fix things privately. Uh, like your knee. I mean, how long would you wait for your knee to get fixed properly? I'd still be waiting now. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's that's really what you want to be able to have that financial cushion for, things like that. 
So it was it was just that sheer luxury and sheer advantage. So uh, to me, that's a luxury, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and it was something I was able to afford because of what I'd done previous. So it's all the it's all the effort I put in previous. It's, this, it's the farmer mentality, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's that farmer mentality about you plant the seed, you nurture the seed, you look after the seed, you protect the seed, you grow the seed, you plant, you, you keep nurturing it, you plant more seeds yeah. at, at a different timeline, and every time you get a new harvest every single year, and every time a new seed actually comes online, you get a new harvest on top of that new harvest. I always think it like this, a job, here's a job for you, you get to the end of the year, your money counter starts at zero again. A buy-to-let portfolio, you get to the end of the year, your wealth has gone up. Mm -hmm. Your money counter doesn't start at zero anymore. It's starting from where it ended up, and then it builds up for there again. So that's how I always saw property investment buy to let. And I always saw as well as it provided for a lifestyle, not a living. So it was always a lifestyle choice to do property investment, buy to let investment. It was never for day-to-day -day living expenses. That's what my job was for. And that's why I disciplined myself just to survive on my job income. And if I had more money outside my job income, I was then investing it back into property again. Mm -hmm. So I was quite clinical about the whole process and kept reinvesting, reinvesting every time, every opportunity I can get. Because I knew over the long term, it would grow in portfolio size to get that income. And that is down to delayed gratification, farmer mentality. And I always believe you will pay the price now. And this is what I heard from a guy, Jerry Scriven. Jerry Scriven, probably around about 30, 30 years ago, maybe 35 years ago, Jerry Scriven stood up on stage and says, you will pay the price now or you will pay the price later. But at some point in time, you will pay the price. And when the penny dropped for me, what he meant was, well, you're either going to do it now and compound your wealth over a period of time, or you're going to face the consequences of not doing anything now and when you retire and actually not having anything to retire on. So that's what he talked about, paying a price now to get it done. Um, you know, another one that I've read recently, which I love and I've mentioned it before, is, you know, if if you're not prepared to pay the invoice, you know, the price now, wait till you get the bill for, for, for later on. Because yeah. um, I tell you what, it's going to be even worse. Uh, and this is why most people rely on generational wealth, but this is why more families are actually providing for generational wealth and they're looking at a vehicle that actually be passed on rather than just liquidated at the point of death. So this, it's, it's a great idea. You may have no idea how you wish to spend your retirement and how much money you'll need, but you will want to live closer to your family. Will you want to live closer to your family? Move to the seaside, travel the oceans, climb mountains, um, lie on beaches, you know, just paint a collada in your hand and call the waiter to come over and everything like that. All these things that you would imagine that you would dream of and think, oh, if only I could do that. And you think it's a way out there, but the reality is if you put the time and effort in now, and the investment in now, you can get that later on. Right? Buying to let today can give you more security for options later on in life. Yeah. Let's talk about planning and tax efficiency inheritance. Okay. I mean, uh, that is a big thing, and obviously it's a big concern. Um, for parents, is that so much of what they leave to their children could be eaten up, obviously, by tax, and that yeah. is a big concern a lot of people. The current inheritance tax threshold is 300000 uh, with 40% payable on anything above that. Uh, while the rate has been frozen until 2026, it could increase after that. Um, so with the right strategy in place, you can ensure that more of your estate from your buy-to-lets passes on 
um, to your children, which is ultimately what people want to be safe in the mind is going to happen. Uh, so let's look at ways, obviously, that's not exactly, just, just, it's not exactly very fair that you've actually, you're getting taxed on income you've already been taxed on. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's no, that doesn't sit well with me. Um, and But the government, you know, the, the only thing, uh, what's the two things that you never get away with? Death and taxes. Tax, yeah. Well, I'm afraid you could maybe cheat death. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll not cheat taxes. Well, possibly you might be able to mitigate your tax liability. And not cheap mean. tax, but there's, there's I mean, ways and means to, obviously. Well, with the right strategy in place, you can ensure that more of your state is, is in your buy-to-let passes to your children. Yeah. If you purchase your rental homes in the name of a limited company, which is what I'm doing and transferring all the ones in our name to the mm. limited company over a period of time to, to take advantage of our capital gains every single year, that's why we're doing it, you can make family members shareholders and it can pass on. Um, also, if you've got mortgages in your name, when you pass away, the mortgages go away. So therefore, the bank wants that money. Whereas if it's in a limited company, it doesn't because it's a legal entity in its own right. So holding buy to properties in a trust for your children as well can help you avoid the second home stamp duty surcharge if they, if, if they don't yet own a home. That's quite a good one as well. Yeah. You can also reduce the risk of inheritance tax payable to your children when you donate more than 10% of your estate to charities, local sports clubs, or political parties. Surprised yeah. me, yeah, I mean, and that comes back to, like we spoke about at the start of the show, about setting things up properly in the beginning. And that's obviously the limited company. Um, or if you've got, if you're going to um, set up as a trust and if, if your children don't yet own their home, then you will be able to avoid the, the stamp duty charge, which is quite a good one. Um, yeah. Limited company. So you setting up a limited company. It's pretty straightforward for anybody out there. We yeah. ask this question all the time, don't we? And we yep. do do private Zoom sessions on, you know, the Thursday night. We did one there. That was the last one that we done. I actually showed everybody from start to finish how you set up a limited company, how easy it is, because everybody goes, my God, I wouldn't know what to do. And it's like, well, you don't know what you don't know, and that's why they come to people like us to give them that advice. Yeah. Um, but again, that advice is free. We don't charge anybody for that. We tell them exactly how to do it and what, what to do, and we just bring them into that, um, that, that um, uh, group of people. So... Rental homes limited companies are really good one. Holding them in your own name now is not the best thing to do uh, often. Again, take advice financial from an accountant. Uh, I know I'm an accountant by trade previously, but I'm not no longer. I could really kind of say I'm a qualified accountant because obviously that it was that was 2006. I actually finished um, being an in industry as a financial uh, controller. Yeah. So technically, if you're waiting for all that time, none of the qualified accountant in the legal terms. Um, I am. I, I do my own stuff and I do my own buy to let portfolio and I understand the dynamics of what I need to do and how I need to do it um, and so I, I get that completely. i tell you what the other one as well tax inheritance as well a great one that we're doing right now is in two days time I buy a Lane and I's forever home and I'm buying it in a limited company Yeah. now I'm buying a limited company because by the time I've rented and the limited company will pay for all the improvements on the house when we eventually move into it so that'll be thousands because I could choose what we want to pay and it'll all be tax deductible at that time. So they'll pay for all that money. So I'll only need to pay for all the improvements on that house. Um, it will, we will rent that off the off the um, company. But then also the income that's derived from that will come back to us anyway. Mm -hmm. So the only amount of money that I'm really paying for rent on that property, for all the improvements and living in that property, is the taxation charged on it. Mm -hmm. That's it. 
that's an easy gig, yeah. <laughs> so, and then as well, I will hold no assets because I'll be able to pass them on to my children, um, and therefore it will be generational wealth passed on tax efficiently. Um, yeah. So again, that's another uh, another process that we are doing in the in, in the, the the equation in order to make that happen. Um, so the children will inherit that. Um, so that's another way of doing that. Um, Hope by to let we looked at trusts. I'm on the verge of looking at trusts. How to do that? How to go about it? So again, I'll update people when that happens. Um, uh, reducing inheritance tax planning um, payable by your children when you donate more than ten percent of your estate to charities. I've not even got to that stage yet, but you know we give to a lot of charities anyway. Yeah, but that's nothing to do with inheritance tax planning. Um, no, that's, that's just what we do, yeah. So by planning in advance with the help of a tax expert, you can provide a solid financial footing for your children and a lasting legacy for future generations of your family. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm the next steps for this, I'm probably the real-life story for this, eh? uh, and the classic <laughs> example of building a bi-type portfolio to leave for their children financial security um and and that's what i say to a lot of people so you can teach it if you've done it and that's why i talk about the trust thing now about getting a trust for your children and seeing how that works because i won't be able to comment on that until i go through the process yeah i'm, I'm a good, believer the good thing is the majority of what we talk about jim is like you say obviously it's good to talk about things in theory but yeah. you are speaking from actual experience and right like you say right up to the point of Maybe you're not quite at the point of obviously estate to charities and things like that, but you, you've got to that. You're, you're you're three quarters of the way through this buy to let journey and how it works and and the returns you could get and and the benefits of that. Um, yeah. So who better to to speak and, and learn from than somebody in your in your position? So and and like you say, there's no upsell. You're giving this to people free like we are today on on shows like this and also. Our monthly Zooms, which, by the way, I'll be sending out uh, later on today to all our landlords. And mm -hmm. as Jim says, my email link is in the in the post. So come to me if you want to join in that. Take advantage of the monthly Zooms. Take advantage of as yeah. much information you can get. Because when I first started, I never had any information. Nobody was able to tell me anything because nobody knew anything about buy to let. It was never a thing. Um, yeah. I had no one to go to. I just had to make it up as I went along and and and, re and, and invent a wheel. Never mind reinvent a wheel. There yeah. was no wheel that existed. So I had to invent a wheel in the beginning and then make that wheel better every single time and improve it as we go. And we're still doing that today, aren't we? We're still yeah. making things and improving things. Yeah, and as things change as well, you need to obviously adapt how things are done. Um, and and we're obviously doing that day in, day out um, in real time. Um, so it, it's good to have people to come to 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 learn from. Uh, like you say, when, when you started, Jim, you didn't have that. So take advantage of that, definitely. So what's your, what's your final words? Let's just wrap up here. What's your final words? What could you tell people to do? What, what if, if somebody's just starting out or if somebody's a seasoned investor or if somebody's half journey, um, what would you say? Just touch base with you and get yeah, I think I think if you're if you're at that early stages or beginning point of thinking, right, this is what I want to do. Planning is key. Speaking to the right people is, is key. Having the right people in place to look after things for you is, is key as you go through that journey. So definitely speak to myself, whether it's investment advice, whether it's to do with lettings, management. Um, if I don't have the answer, I'll definitely make you sure that you speak to somebody that does. Yeah. Uh, so Absolutely. And, and I concur with that completely. Uh, the playlist is on here for the previous shows. Uh, yeah. There are 24 shows 
And there's knowledge from here from Linda Martin. There's Kessa Salima. Linda's a property flipper, um, yeah. really good, excellent in her field. She can teach you a lot about property flipping, if that's your thing. There's also Kessa Salima, who's a fantastic mortgage broker and financial, yeah, mortgage financial mortgage. whiz, really. He's actively buying as well, so they're involved. You've got really James. Good well. James actually came yeah. on the early days, so James actually has a huge wealth of knowledge for a beginner in the beginning yeah. to to give you that touch base of of where you are in the beginning. You're a letting agent, Richard, as well, mm -hmm. so you've got a huge wealth of experience in the letting agency business. I've been in this for thirty years, so I've got a huge experience. So you've got all that condensed information put into all these episodes. There's twenty four episodes from before, including the twenty fifth one, which is this one. Uh, take advantage of that; it's always on there. You can listen to it over and over again. And what I recommend to most people, if you really want to get good at this, this is a masterclass every single time. And for me personally, I've read Think and Grow Rich almost into the 50th time. Uh, mm -hmm. And everybody goes, for God's sake, would you not just read it once and that would be the end of it? No, because every time I read Think and Grow Rich, just like listening to a podcast, you get new information every single time through the process. So it's it's the mother, you know, the mother of skill is repetition. Um, and, and it's repetition, it will set you free. And just like sitting an exam and, you know, when you're doing your studies and everything like that, this is all about studying uh, to get the best results and get the best information to be the best at what you do. And if you're the, if you're in the top 5% in terms of buy-to-let and property investment, I'm not talking about income, uh, you know, just about knowledge and experience. Um, you're more than likely going to be in the top 5% in terms of earnings, in terms of the people that earn. And that's in Britain, by the way. Yeah. Out of everybody in Britain, you'll be probably be in the top 5% of the number of people that actually earn the top 5% most, uh, the wealthiest people in Britain. You're going to end up there if you, if you become a master of this and understand the whole process. Uh, that's my advice to everybody. You've got these on there all the time. Listen to the podcasts because they're on there when you're driving about anywhere, when you're you know getting up first thing in the morning, when you're getting a shower and all the rest of it. Um, watch the shows as well. Um, there's other things we do. You do letting shows every every other week, Richard, on yep. a Saturday morning at nine thirty, which gives you a lot of wealth of experience and knowledge. It's more technically orientated, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. Talking about the processes and how to do it, but but for generally for here for the wealth creation show, this is more about um, the the bigger, the more strategic approach to property investment, the more strategic approach to approach to investments themselves. We just focus heavily on property investment because I. I still, I challenge anybody out there to tell me there's a better asset class that provides a better return over the over the medium to long term than what property investment does. And I'll probably do that as well if that's the case, if you can show me that, that asset class. But I don't. In the 30 years I've been doing this, I've been challenging people to give me that asset class, and there's not one person that's been able to come back to me and say, so-and-so asset class, there's a lot better than property investment. They can't. It's, no. it's it's because it's bricks and mortar, it's safe as houses, it's been there for years, and people always need a roof over their head, especially when we're not building enough properties throughout the UK, and more and more people are returning to rented, the younger generation, generation rent, than purely for the fact that they need flexibility of working, training, moving, they choose not to buy now, they want to rent in the beginning, that's what it comes yeah. down to. It's want rather than actually need, um, I, I would say. And yeah. that's it, guys. Um, yeah. Thanks very much for coming on the show, Richard. Uh, appreciate that. Anybody else going to get in touch with us, Richard's details on this post. And bye-bye uh, for now. See you next week. See you later.